You're listening to the MoneyWeb Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6.30 a.m. It's Friday, 24 February, a year since the Ukraine war started. I'm Simon Brown, coming at you live and loud from remote studios in Cape Town. On the show today, chatting with Gary Boyson from Rand Swiss, the discovery results. And I want to ask him if we've got a minute, any other results that really stood out for him this week, good or bad, but it's been a, it's been a deluge of results this week. We chat with Karen Wood from PwC South Africa. Has the South African government done enough to avoid grey listing? The Financial Action Task Force is meeting in Paris this week. The meeting concludes today. We should hear today, perhaps over the weekend. And then thoughts from me in the budget, how savers and investors, frankly, got left behind. The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines for MoneyWeb, Steinhoff, another settlement, another paycheck, group to pay 3.9 billion rand to settle another claim for damages and to look at the remuneration of its top execs. Business day, retailers upset at losing out on fuel cost relief. Pick and pay, spa, ShopRite CEOs criticize giving diesel tax rebates of 2 rand 19 cents a liter only to food manufacturers. Morning markets, US was green, S&P was up half a percent, the Nasdaq up 0.9%, Asia's green, Sydney up a third of a percent, Tokyo up 1.1%. Commodities are mostly red overnight, gold $1,834 an ounce, uh, Brent is your green at $82.76 a barrel, platinum $9.50, palladium thousand four hundred and forty four rand eighteen twenty one bitcoin twenty four thousand dollars a coin ten cent is down two percent in hong kong lunch break and top 40 looking to open about 400 points to the red that's just over half a percent money web now on the money also available on podcast Checking now with uh, Gary Boyson from Rand Swiss. Gary, appreciate, as always, the early morning, the, the discovery results, which are perhaps some of the most complicated results that come out on uh, from the JSC. Always lots of moving parts. Your take on it. I mean, it, there's certainly no dividend. They haven't paid a dividend since 2020. Things may be picking up. The bank losing a little bit less. What, what's your, 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 your thinking? Yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, Discovery results are always incredibly complex, but it's the nature (laughs) of the business that they do. And and to an extent, insurance companies like Discovery are a little bit of a black box because the the complex financial instruments that sit inside there, the the hedging that they're doing on interest rates, it's it's not always apparent to to investors that are are skimming results presentations or or, or listening to the the executive explain it. So to to an extent, you have to trust the management um, and and what their their vision and, and the way that they're implementing it are. Um, obviously, they took a lot of criticism on Twitter around uh, the idea that they had normalized just about everything and <laughs> uh, and that they were kind of trying to strip out the, the impact of interest rates when you're launching a bank and interest rates are, have, yes, been very volatile, but are absolutely essential to, to any financial services company. So um, I th- taking a lot of criticism, but watching the results presentation, you can kind of understand where the, where the company is going. I mean, Adrian Gore is is shifting this into into a growth phase 
and you know they're doubling down on the bank if you if you go and have a look at the the underlying numbers there about half of their new initiative spend is on discovery bank as you say that bank mm-hmm. is you know, starting to to narrow its loss you know everything is reported at operating profit level they don't want to talk about the top line or the bottom line at the moment which is always a bit of a concern to to market participants because that's the two numbers that we look at the most but you know <laughs> revenue line of the insurance business you know again you've got all, you've got present value all of those premiums it's 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 not a simple revenue number it doesn't really show the strength of, of a business uh, and of course i think everyone is maybe a little bit concerned about uh, what's happening in china obviously they've got the big ping on business china's mm-hmm. now opening up that's going to be good for the business long term but short term obviously a massive spike in infections uh, that also putting putting a lot of pressure specifically on on, on that segment uh, so the ping on health segment um you know the insure business also struggling in the post-covid uh, environment uh, you know more motor claims load shedding claims you know that that you know impacting the business even at an operating profit level which is again not taking into account tax and interest rates um so very very as you say very complex set of results but but a business that is it looks like it's doubling down on a bank um aggressively and and you can't deny that the banking product at discovery is very very strong it's winning them you know digital banking awards it's it's a strong product that they're building and i think you know the market you know in spite of the complexity of the results the market gave it the benefit of the doubt yesterday i mean finished finished the stock up over two percent it was up over three percent at one point during the day and and i think you have to buy into the vision of of building this bank and and, and growing with with a, a very dynamic financial services company if you're an investor uh, you've got to trust your management team it, if you don't, if you're just looking at it kind of and saying, hey, this is a difficult operating environment and you know, banking is, is kind of an industry in disruption at the moment, are these guys going to be the ones to do the disruption? That's the call that you, I think you've got to make when you're deciding whether or not to invest. Yeah, and I take your point. And it is to a degree, and I'm a shareholder, and it is kind of you've got to buy into the the Adrian Gore vision um, and 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 trust. And it's a weird thing to say in the investment world, but it is trust nonetheless. A, a quick last question: uh, a deluge of results this week. Anyone that stood out for you, good or bad? Oh, I suppose two two. This the one was the just the Standard Bank trading update. Uh, I mean, that was absolutely mm. incredible. You know, you, you know that uh, those uh, you know. The, the, the range on, on where they're going to be uh, growing earnings that you know is that the lower end of the range is higher than the, is higher than the highest estimates so i mean obviously we saw that big run up in standard bank on the back of that and interestingly you know a little bit of an optimistic tone being struck by the company they think south africa is going to grow by 1.3 percent uh, which is well ahead of the 0.3 percent uh, reserve bank target mm. and, you know with the earnings that you're seeing coming through the bank you know clearly they're seeing you know economic growth they're seeing the the economy starting to adapt to 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 load shedding and, and the private sector you know almost adapting to this difficult operating environments a little bit of optimism there and then the other one i saw is just the distill i thought that was you know interesting that uh, you know they, they're so desperately waiting for this competition tribunal to go through <laughs> so they can see seal the deal with the with the still and it seems like richard uh, at least the ceo richard rushton has now had to extend his employment he was set to retire next month and he's actually not going to be able to because the deal still hasn't gone through after the the engagement with the competition tribunal uh, back in january so every everyone Kind of a little bit worried you know there's a big deadline looming on the 13th of may for distel uh you know if 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 they don't both agree to this, and if the, the competition tribunal doesn't allow them to include the the Hunters and Savannahs brand, um, Heineken has already said that it, it will step back from the deal. And I mean, the stock's trading at uh, 175.70. That's where it closed yesterday. A deal's meant to go through at 180. So you've got the time value of money, but you get the sense that that risk premium should be increasing uh, on that on that stock. You know, we can look at the underlying results of Distel, but unfortunately, you know, with that with that peg in place on the share price, it's all about whether or not this. Deal 
deal goes through. So I just thought in, interesting that that's <laughs> that the CEO had to delay retirement thanks to to our competition tribunal. Yeah, uh, he wants to go spend time with his money, and he simply can't. Uh, we'll see what happens there. As always, Gary Boyson, Ransworth, appreciate the early morning insights. If seagulls were harder dars who could afford to retire to the coast, what kind of bird would you be? Would you soar over the savannah or chase summer around the globe? You see, even when you stop working, your money won't. When you invest in Stanlib's fixed income funds, you can retire earning a regular income off your investments. Invest for more certainty at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager. MoneyWeb now on the money. I'm chatting with Karen Wood, PwC South Africa Risk and Response Leader. Karen, appreciate the time. The FATF meeting this week, a meeting concludes on Friday. Um, they're going to talk lots of things. Of course, for South Africa, it's all around potentially being grey listed. You make the point in, in a note you put out that actually our government's done a lot. We, we, we're, I mean, it's, it's a hard call whether we will or won't, but we have done a lot as a, as a country to try and avoid it. Yeah, absolutely, Simon. I mean, hard call, as you say, but um, I do think that it is noteworthy that we have done considerable or made considerable changes to our regulatory framework around um, the space. And to be quite honest, it's, it's regulatory reform that we haven't seen at the scale and at the speed for a number of years. So it is definitely noteworthy. And, and some of that, I mean, it's it's been, I mean, it's been fast tracking legislative reforms. There could be an argument made: we should have done it an age ago, not fast tracked it. In, in truth, I mean, we can also blame a pandemic there. But we have got amendments going through uh, in, in spaces of, for example, any anti money laundering, um, and, and these were some of the the shortfalls that we had as a country. Absolutely, and, and maybe to touch on those shortfalls for you, Simon. Mm. So uh, FATF, as we know, is a global money laundering um, and anti-terrorist financing intergovernmental body, and South Africa is a member of it. And as a member, they are subjected to what we refer to as mutual evaluations, where our peers essentially come in and conduct reviews of our frameworks. And those reviews really focus on two areas. The one is what we refer to as technical compliance, mm -hmm. which is the extent to which we are aligned from a regulatory framework perspective to the 40 recommendations that FATF has in place. And in, the, in that regard, we only really scored a 50% pass, um, only scoring 20, 20 out of the 40 as being either non-compliant or, non, or partially compliant. So, you know, a 50-50 kind of position. Now, if you look at that in particular, that speaks to the extent to which our framework has the necessary rules in place to govern or to manage the risk of, and of money laundering within South Africa. And that is really where we've seen a number of the changes come through. It's in enhancing that particular framework. Where we have a second portion to the mutual evaluation is around what we call the effectiveness rating. And what that looks at specifically is what we call the immediate outcomes. So it ranks us against 11 different criteria, and that is based on the effectiveness of our framework. So not just do we have a framework, but how are we actually implementing it? And I think when we talk about, you know, whether we're going to get grey listed or not, the question really does sit within that effectiveness aspect and whether we've done enough to demonstrate that we have actually enforced the framework we've put in place. 
And, and, and my sense is, and, 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 and particularly listening to what you're saying there, it, it's not as if we were a, you know, an F student. I mean, it was, you know, I suppose we could call it close. We had to brush up on things and, and as I mentioned, you know, change some legislation and the like. This isn't wholesale. This is more, I don't want to say, kind of fixing things on, on, on the edges and, and implementing better. No, absolutely. I mean, I don't think we could say that it, that it was there was completely nothing in place. Mm. Um, if you look at the technical compliance aspects, there's what we call the big six items, uh, which are six of the specific recommendations which they focus on. Um, and if you compare us to, for example, the UAE, which was recently grey-listed, the UAE essentially got only partially compliant or non-compliant in five of the six of those versus us who were three that were either partially compliant or non-compliant. So, you know, we're not the worst of the worst, um, <laughs> but I do think that potentially our framework has not evolved as the environment has evolved. So by way of example, we've seen a lot come through in the virtual asset space. Mm -hmm. And one of the areas where South Africa did not cover um, from a money laundering perspective was virtual asset service providers. So whilst FATF has over the years issued a lot of recommendations or guidance around managing those types of entities, South Africa has somewhat lagged in regulating those entities. So it's, whilst the framework is in place, the extent and the nature or the, the scope of the framework's application has been an area of focus through these regulatory changes. That's something I hadn't thought of. I mean, this is, a, in essence, an ongoing process. I mean, whatever the result is from this meeting, and, and maybe we get, we get a pass and we don't get grade listed, things are dynamic. Um, this is something which, which both FATA and uh, countries the world over need to keep on evolving to, to manage money laundering terrorism funding. Absolutely. You know, as you put boundaries and, and, and controls in place, obviously criminals find ways to get around them. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the one aspect that you have to bear in mind. And number two, we, we're working in an increasingly evolving technology space. So as new ideas come out, there's new opportunities to abuse those ideas and those concepts in order to facilitate money laundering or terrorist financing. So this is not a we put this in place and we don't have to do anything going forward. Uh, it is going to be evolving. And I think that is a particularly important aspect to, to reiterate. Um, you know, as I say, we can't really say whether we're going to be grey listed or not. But what I would say is that regardless of whether we are grey listed or not, what is going to be absolutely essential going forward is not to take that foot off the pedal. To continue to demonstrate to FATF and to the globe as a whole that South Africa is committed to the um, enforcement of anti-money laundering and terrorist financing legislation, and then to demonstrate that through taking action, through criminal sanctions, etc., going forward. Because in doing that, you, you're demonstrating that your commitment is there. Yeah, and, and I imagine a lot of it is commitment, and that I mean, we know that 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 uh, parts of government have been have been meeting last month around that. It also then says to me that if we do get grey listed, that we could quite fairly quickly actually bounce back. This isn't, I mean, for example, the the credit rating agencies, which is a much longer lead time, a much slower process. We could conceivably, I don't know, maybe by the end of the year, even um, or third quarter, uh, be off that grey list. So definitely something to, to consider and um, the impact of grey listing is going to depend on how quickly we get off the list if yeah. we do get put on it. And I think there's two areas that we've seen through our interactions globally where people have demonstrated an ability to get off the list quickly 
and those are through demonstrating that commitment as a government to anti-money laundering and counter-terrorist financing, number one. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, public and private collaboration and partnerships. Um, and that's going to be important going forward. We've seen quite a good example of it through this process with our finance institutions and the Prudential Authority and the FSCA. We've worked quite closely with each other to enhance their frameworks in those industries. But that public-private partnership is going to be essential. And we've seen it work in countries like Mauritius, where yeah. they were grey listed and managed to get off the list relatively quickly. If we are put on the list, we're probably looking at about an 18-month period to get off it. Uh, if it could be sooner, that would be great. But it's that consistent um, and okay. um, demonstration that we need to have for the next 18 months at a minimum. I, I get your point. I hadn't realized that. A last question. We know they're meeting this week, uh, Monday through Friday. Do we have any sense when we will hear? I'm hoping by the close of Friday and probably not good news if we are grey listed for Friday <laughs> but um, you know we're not clear on exactly when it's going to be publicized um, there have been instances where it has been delayed but we do anticipate by the end of the week that we'll have a final answer okay so prob yeah okay so we'll find out in worst case we'll know by Monday when we all get up we leave it there Karen Wood PwC South African risk and response leader appreciate the insights there's a press conference at 6 o'clock our time tonight. Uh, whether they will say anything, uh, we'll see. Anyway, so probably 6 o'clock tonight. And, and, and the question on our LinkedIn and Twitter is, do you think we've done enough? There's a whole bunch. I mean, remember the, the, the change to, to crypto as a, as, a, as, a, as a financial services product. I mean, those are moving in the right direction. Uh, so we're asking on, your, on, on our LinkedIn and Twitter if you think we have done enough. Have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and Twitter. Your money gives a damn. If it could protest and sign petitions, your money would. But your money can do more than that. When you invest in Stanlib's Infrastructure Investment Fund, beyond getting solid returns, you are helping to build a more sustainable future through job creation and positive economic growth. Damn right you are. Invest for more impact at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on the money. Bit of a bland budget today, but to speak rather, what I was looking for was, okay, so savers, investors, what's government helping us with? And truthfully, well, nothing. I mean, almost nothing. So tax-free uh, contribution limits, 30 6,000, I really thought we would see a, a knock up to 40,000 there. It's typically been changed every year and it's easy for government, right? Because it doesn't really cost them much now. Sure, they lose out on some dividend tax and some CGT, but that deposit is post-tax money, uh, but nothing there. No change to tax-free limits. No change to capital gains tax exclusions. For, first, 40,000 is exempt and then uh, the 40% of the balance gets added to your income. So no change there. No change to Reg 28 contribution deductions that remains 350,000 or 27 and a half percent whichever is smaller the two-part uh, system has been moved out to March 2024 we, we knew that we've chatted with on this show around that that wasn't a surprise the issue there is around seeding of existing monies uh, state old age grant that's up a hundred rand that's actually an eight percent increase which is slightly ahead of the official inflation rate of course our personal inflation is usually a whole lot more uh, red 28 tax-free withdrawal at retirement uh, that's gone up 10 percent so you can now take 
take out 550,000 tax-free. Uh, the solar capital rebate, uh, 25% capped at 15,000 rand, um, and that is only on solar panels, not your battery, not your inverter, not your COC, not anything else. And of course, if you do this, say for example in April, you put it into next year's tax return and you'll get the money in August next year. Uh, and then tax brackets were increased to uh, offset inflation, but broadly a budget that had absolutely nothing for savers and investors. That's it for today. We were chatting with Nawabo Makabele from Perpetua yesterday. The Standard Bank update, Gary as well, said very, very strong. Uh, Nawabo's comment was uh, they are screamingly cheap, although he also said, you know what, much on the JSC is screamingly cheap. So we asked you, are you seeing value in the local banks? Two-thirds of you said, yep, they are cheap. Uh, the other third said, you know what, there are still risks abound in terms of the banks. Have your vote, have your say, Twitter and LinkedIn. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live every weekday morning, the MoneyWeb website's in the app, 6.30 a.m. podcast, just after 7. Huge thanks to my team, Nabokhle, Nicole, Eddie, to you for listening, my guests for their early morning. My name is Simon Brown. This is MoneyWeb Now. We'll chat again Monday. We're talking Bitcoin trends and targets. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now, on the money.